SeatGeek is the easiest way to find the best deals on tickets to pretty much any live event. Concerts, sports, theater, comedy, whatever you want. Download the SeatGeek app today and enter promo code SEATS to save $20 on your first purchase. Welcome back to the Sportsbeat KC podcast. This is Jesse Newell, KUB reporter for the Kansas City Star. I'm joined once again this week by C.J. Moore of The Athletic and Bleacher Report and the guy who keeps cranking out stories. C.J., how are you doing this week? Jesse, doing well. What's going on, brother? Uh, not too much. Every time I looked up on Twitter, there was a new C.J. Moore story. So, uh, yeah, everybody's keeping you busy, huh? Yeah, yeah. I've been I've been real busy, but it's uh, it's good. Busy means... I'm making money for my family, so <laughs> I gotta I gotta stay busy. But yeah, I've been kind of running around crazy, and uh, got another couple I'm working on right now. And yeah, it's uh, it doesn't ever seem to slow down, but that's a good thing. Yeah, definitely. Well, that also lets us know that it's the middle of college basketball season, and mm-hmm. uh, KU taking its first quote close loss of the season. Uh, on Tuesday against Oklahoma, 85-80. to 80. Uh, I asked people on Twitter for questions, and people came through. So we have lots of those good ones, some interesting ones I want to get to. But before we get to that, we at least have to discuss a little bit of the Pocadoke situation that has been taking over the college basketball discussion uh, over the last week. Obviously, Oklahoma was down late in the game against Kansas, decided to uh, send in a player to get five immediate fouls or four immediate fouls on Yudoka as a boogie to, to send him to the free throw line. Yudoka missed two front ends of the one and one. Then he missed two other two shot fouls, and Oklahoma rallies back in that game. I just wanted to get your take on it, CJ. What is your overall thought? There's been a million opinions out there, but I wanted to kind of see what you thought about the whole Pocadoke situation and what you thought about Bill Self leaving Yudoka as a boogie. Yeah, well, I understood it. Um, you know, I. I I tweeted about it at the time trying to provide context because Jason and I just had this in our book, right? Like he, the same thing happened in, in, um, 2007 with Sasha, not quite to this level, but in the A&M game, you know, A&M did a similar thing with Sasha. And as I was having a super busy week, I thought, well, that'd be a good story idea. Why don't I add one extra thing to my plate? So I called Sasha and, and, uh, Gillespie the other day and, have a story up on that on the athletic that, that you can go check out. But I think it's, it's, you know, kind of provides some historical context. And I know self talked about it after the game too, that he's always believed you stick with your guy. And I, I think there's, there's something to that, but you could argue the other side that you're hurting him psychologically because now he's going to doubt himself even more at the free throw line after having experienced that. So you know, if it if it was me, I probably would have adjusted and you know thrown Mitch Lightfoot out there. But you know, I heard you on the radio this morning and you made a good point that that hurts their defense. So it would have hurt them on the defensive end, and you know they might have still lost the game if they'd gone that route. So there's not really an easy answer, but I do think you you probably try to play some offense, defense, substitution type things just because by throwing Doke out there, they were putting him in the corner even when they, you know, on like the one couple possession like the one possession they were able to go without him getting fouled, like they were still kind of playing four on five because they just put him in the corner. So I I think he will strongly consider next time it comes up sitting him, but I, I don't know that he will for sure, like he like he said the other night. And I don't know that every team will do this. You know, you it seems like an obvious strategy. 
but you've got a, you know, Lon Kruger had a guy in Matt Freeman that he could throw out there who's not like a just total non-factor on the offensive end. Like he can at least shoot. So it wasn't like they were throwing in a walk-on to, to you know, make commit the fouls. And not everybody has that like front court depth and is willing to, to kind of take that chance late in the game. So there, there's a lot of layers to the this this decision and you know some coaches will say you know you don't believe in your team like Lon didn't believe in his team and I know Trey Young said afterwards that he would have rather defended so there's there's a lot that went into the decision I think and it's it's not necessarily just as simple as oh you just immediately pull him yeah no it's it's I think it's just way more complicated like you said there's so many more layers than a lot of people are taking into account not the least of which is kind of what you were talking about if you watch that game uh, McNeese for Oklahoma, he was owning Mitch Lightfoot when he was in the game. And again, I mean, that's not that's not a knock on Mitch Lightfoot. Mitch Lightfoot's a four trying to play the five. But when that matchup happened late in the first half, uh, KU was getting dominated. And so everyone says, well, just put Mitch Lightfoot in. He can shoot the free throws. Well, that's the problem. If Mitch Lightfoot comes in the game, Oklahoma doesn't want to foul anybody anymore. They're going to play real basketball. And that yeah. that's kind of what speaks to your point. You know, you can say, okay, switch it for offense-defense. Well, you can't if nobody fouls anybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Oklahoma, then, if they get Udoka out of the game, that's exactly what they want. They Then they immediately sub McNeese back in the game, and they have their best five going against KU's suboptimal five with an advantage that they know they can exploit because that's exactly what they did in the first half. So um, the other part of this, I, I think... It's kind of crazy to think about what if Yudoka, I mean, he's a whatever, he was going in a 40% free throw shooter. What if he just made four out of 40%. six? 40%. Yeah, or, or what if he just made 40%? Well, so one coach is going to try this, you know what I mean? And Bill Self can smile and laugh and look down at the bench, all those sorts of things. And what he wanted was he wanted Yudoka to basically shove it in Lon's face and make his free throws. So what if what if Yudoka made four out of six? So not only do you give the kid confidence, not only does he win the game for Kansas, this probably never happens again. Or at least it's yeah. not considered for a while. So, I mean, we're talking like Bill Self knew in his mind of minds that Yudoka was going to miss every single free throw. And like you said, even if he ma- makes two out of six, KU probably still wins that game to extend the lead at that point, and then you can make an adjustment from there. So a lot of layers to this. I think it's way more complicated, especially in the moment, than a lot of people are making it. But uh, I don't necessarily blame Bill Self for not taking Yudoka out of that game just because even with – an average performance of the line, KU probably wins. And then even with an above-average performance, it might stop Pocadoke forever, forever and ever and ever. So, And then have the added benefit of him winning a game for the team and feeling better about himself at the line in a crucial situation. So I don't know. I, I, I'm i not completely on one side or the other on this one, but it was a fascinating thing. It has been something that's been talked about over and over and over again over the past few days. Yeah, and it's it's something that like you come out of that game and that's what everybody's talking about. But you know, I know when you're Kansas, you never take moral victories, and I don't think you should. But you have to feel pretty good about where this team is coming out of that game. Like they went on the road. I thought they played pretty darn well. Their star player had a terrible shooting night, and they were still in a position to win the game. Um, Malik Newman's playing better than than he's played for you ever. And, uh, so, so I think they are, they are in a really good spot right now. And, um, you know, you have to be pleased with, with where they are kind of coming out of there. Sorry, the phone, phone rang on me, Me meant to silence it. (laughs) (laughs) It's just people trying to give you money and give you more story assignments. That's probably what we based on this last week, right? It's, uh, it's coming out of Williams port 
Pennsylvania. So I'm 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 doing a story on uh, Alize Johnson. So somebody calling me about that. I'm not I'm not sure. Who, but anyway, I'll get it later. All right. Well, let's get to some. You're, you're more important, Jesse. I, thanks. You're I, more I appreciate that, CJ. I, I do not. that in my heart of hearts. But uh, this has proven it to me with the actions that you have taken here on the eighth minute of our podcast. So I, I appreciate that. Let's get some of these Twitter questions. And this is the one that kind of relates most to the Pocadoke situation. And I think this is kind of also more big picture what people have talked about. A little bit crazy to me. Uh, but here, Billy is free on Twitter at WTW underscore Hawk says, Self said the decision to leave Udoka in was so he will have the confidence to hit those free throws in situations in March. Why doesn't Self use that same logic with, with Cunliffe and DeSosa? Sitting 36 minutes on the bench won't prepare them to make an impact in March. And so this is kind of a lot of what has been crazy to me when going through this. Like, Bill Self, if nothing else, has always been a guy that has played for the game in front of him. You know what I mean? Like, he was wanted to win the game that is in the moment, no matter the consequences. You know, you've seen Devontae Graham play 40 minutes in three straight games. You've seen guys maybe wear down at the end of seasons. You've seen KU put an emphasis on the Big 12 title streak, even when the March results haven't come in the NCAA tournament. So what's crazy to me is to see all these fans criticize Bill Self for taking maybe a longer-term view in this game when everything that he does as a coach has been in the short term, and he's been criticized so many times for not thinking about the long term. It's just very interesting to see kind of the, the dual nature of this, that now in one game where everybody was like, Oh, he should be more long term. He should be more long term thinking. Now everybody's like, "Well, why wasn't he trying to win the game? Why wasn't he trying to win the game?" And so it just kind of proves to you, I think, as a coach, there's really no way there's you no can way. win. There's no way you can win in this situation, right? <laughs> Unless you win every game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> then they open. No, I mean, come on, man. Like, all right. So we've talked about this before. Your rotation, your rotation shortens in in the SA tournament anyway. So you know, maybe there's a situation where you need Cunliffe in an ASA tournament game, but right now what he's saying is is Cunliffe isn't good enough to help him in, in Big 12 games. Why would he be good enough to help him in an NCAA tournament game? And it's a it's a really difficult situation with both those kids, with with Cunliffe and, and De, De Sosa, because ideally you would have played them against the no-name schools you played the non-conference and built them up then and got them confidence then. But that, you did never had that opportunity. And so, th- I don't know that you necessarily build their confidence throwing them into these games where they, you know, they might not necessarily succeed. Like, did playing De Sosa, how, how many minutes did he play the other day against Oklahoma? Uh, two? Like two, but his, I mean, we want to talk about It was Hackadote. terrible. Like, we he was really, really bad. I say you want to talk about Hackadote costing KU. That was zero points and four possessions. DeSosa's three possessions on offense were offensive foul, traveling, traveling. Uh, that would be zero points in three possessions, all caused by that one player as well. And def- some defensive mistakes, too. So, like, he was, I don't know what his plus minus was in that, was that really short time, but it wasn't good. Like, that that hurt you just as much as the Yudoka thing did, just because every point matters the same amount, right? Like, they don't matter more at the, the very end. So, um, you know, I, I but but did that help DeSosa getting those minutes in that game? No, like it's a really hard situation to to throw that kid in, and you you are trying to build his confidence up, but and you want to get him some time, but not at the detriment of your of your team. So it's it's really really dicey, and 
I, I don't think the way self is handling those two kids right now is, 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 is wrong at all. Like, um, you know, he's, he's at practice. We're not, he knows kind of what those guys are and, and what he's getting out of them. And if, if San Cunliffe isn't showing what he needs out of him, like, you know, it seems like the quotes that he's throwing out there, that's the case. Then, I don't think he's obligated to to play the guy. Like I, I I don't I don't really see the logic in 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 that argument. Yeah, I hate to always defer to authority in these situations because, but I think you make a great point. Is with Sam Cunliffe, we really don't know what we don't know. And if Bill Self says he's not performing in practice, which in his limited playing time that he's had, that has been mostly on the defensive end. He hasn't been able to keep guys in front of him. Um, then that's really all we can go off of because again we, we can't go to practice you know we don't get to see him in those situations and so um, this is a situation where all you can take is Bill Self's word and what what happened now what's crazy with <laughs> with Sam Cunliffe is exactly what you mentioned which I mean I remember Frank, Connor Frank Camp a few years back where he played you know a handful of minutes in KU's last nine or ten Big Twelve games and then he was basically KU's best player for two straight games in the NCAA tournament when. You know, when they lost to Stanford in the uh, round of 32. But it's crazy things can happen. So, I mean, having Sam Cunliffe try to remain ready and maybe get him a minute here or there, that could be beneficial down the line. But, again, it just kind of tells you the really tough job that Bill Self has. Because if you don't win, then you get criticized for not winning. And if you do win, you get criticized for not thinking long-term because your team hasn't had success in March. And so, like, you can't have it both ways. You know, it's, it's hard... I can see an argument. I absolutely can see an argument that they should get Sam Cunliffe in there a couple minutes just to see what he has, just to see if he can be a help, especially with as poorly as the Gerald Vick is playing. But at the same time, you can't say that and then have the other half of the fan base say, well, Bill Self threw this game away when KU played well enough to win. Why is he throwing away games in January? You know, so uh, you're not going to please everybody is basically the, the bottom line. And so Bill Self always has had the philosophy he's going to win the game in front of him. And so while this Silvio de Sosa, I'm sorry, not Silvio, this Udoka thing seems like it's counter to that, I really don't think it was. I think Bill Self thought that was his best way of winning the basketball game and also helping Udoka in the long term. And again, it didn't work out, but Udoka did not hit any of his free throws uh, instead of hitting two or three, which would have won the game for Kansas. But it is a fascinating conversation to have. All right, let's get to another one here, CJ. Uh, I really liked uh, this one from. Well, let's let's get let's stick with uh, Hackadoke for now or Pokadoke. I like Pokadoke better. You like Pokadoke? Pokadoke. Pokadoke. I like that one. This one's yeah. from Kendall at KKAUT, and by the way, he's a great uh, Twitter follow out there. He writes for Our Daily Bears. He does some great stuff on on Baylor basketball. So uh, if you guys want to check out, he had some good stuff on the KU Baylor preview and then uh, after game blog uh breaking down some video with that but he says do you expect teams to start hacking marcus garrett too would either of you consider that as an opposing coach or do you think it's not worth it's worth not fouling him putting ku in the bonus or double bonus that early so any thoughts on that cj i went up and looked up the numbers for uh for marcus garrett and he is currently shooting 12 for 25 from the free throw line at 48 percent uh yudoka right now 24 63 at 38 percent yeah it's um I don't know. It'd be, it'd be maybe worth exploring, but I, I don't like the doing that in the middle of a game, um, especially like with Marcus Garrett. KU is always already not as good offensively when he's in the game, so you know they're already hurt a little bit by by that. So you're you're facing a little bit of like a less potent offense when he's out there. But you know, 
it's it's maybe something worth exploring, especially the the fact that like this team doesn't draw a lot of fouls. So you know, um, although I, I think they are in Big Twelve play, aren't in their three throw free throw rate a lot higher in, in Big Twelve games. Yeah, it was number one going into last game. Let me yeah. look now in Big Twelve. Play. So it's, it's dropped down to fourth, so not quite as high, but yeah, uh, but, much better but, than it was. Anyway, I, I don't know if you want to like start committing those fouls and you got to throw bench guys in there because you don't want to waste fouls on on other, uh, you know your starters. So it's a strategy maybe worth exploring if like you're they're already in the bonus. But I, I would be hesitant as a coach to just like mess up with game flow and you know do that early in a game. Late in a game, I guess it makes a little more sense. Um, but yeah, it's 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 so complicated. Like, and I hate it. I hate it. Like it's it's terrible for basketball. It's unwatchable. It's you know the NBA has at least done something to eliminate it from into games. And you know I'd, I'd like to see college basketball do that too. I don't know if they will or not, but you know, you could, cause like I I'd be okay with that not being a possibility last three minutes of a game because the KU Oklahoma game the other day was really, really entertaining for like 37, 36 minutes. And then it was pretty much unwatchable down the stretch. Yeah. It's almost like we should go to an elim ending in college basketball, right? CJ. Jeez. <laughs> oh, Here we go. <laughs> yeah, no, this is, it's it's riskier than it looks. You know what I mean? Like Yudoka had to miss all those free throws. He did, and and then that's what happened. But uh, with Marcus Garrett, even forty eight percent. I mean, if you're giving him two shots, uh, you know, you're probably getting a point per possession if you're KU, and then you're just racking up your foul total, and you're getting down further on your bench, and you're having to bring in guys that you're not comfortable with on the offensive end, unless you're just substituting every single time. So, I mean, it could happen. It wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility, but. That's the other part. I mean, Lon Kruger didn't seem proud of what he did and didn't seem like he really wanted to talk about it much after the game. But Lon never wants to talk about anything. No. It's, <laughs> it's true, but there's a part of him that I don't think, you know, like kind of like Trey Young said, he'd rather play defense than win that way. I mean, Oklahoma needed the win. Oklahoma got the win. But at yeah. the same time, like, you look at that scenario, it could have backfired easily on Lon Kruger too. I mean, what if they bring in that – that scrub, or you know, you call him not a scrub, but sort of scrub, the guy that hadn't played previously in that game, to, to foul mm-hmm. Udoka, and Udoka makes his free throws. Well, all of a sudden, you know, Lon Kruger becomes the boob in this, and he's the idiot, and everybody's wondering what the heck he's doing as a, as a future Hall of Fame coach. So, you know, I, I don't know. There's no perfect answer here, but the reality that played out obviously has has led to a huge talking point this whole week, and so now this, uh, I guess we got to come up with a name for Marcus if it was going to be a foul Marcus. I, I don't know. Some, some, there's got to be something snappier than that. But uh, I don't expect to see it. But, again, if some team gets desperate down the stretch against KU, you could see some crazy things. And part of the reason for this, too, CJ, is that this KU offense is so good. I mean, if we look down the end of, end of games in Big 12 play when KU's won close games, because their offense is getting two or three points for possession by running good offense or making threes. So, it's a risk you can take against a really good offense, and that's kind of the respect that, that KU's getting right now. Let's go to this one from, yeah, okay, this one. This one is from Bobby Norell. He says, he hasn't really talked about it as a candidate for leaving early, but is there any chance that Azubuki leaves early? I don't know how well this game translates to the NBA. So we have mentioned this a little bit, CJ, and I think you've mm-hmm. kind of fallen further on this side of it, but I sort of kind of understand this, which is it's hard to see the position or the team that would take a chance on Yudoka as athletic as he is, as physically gifted as he is, 
in the NBA just because the game is going smaller and smaller and you want your big men to be out there and able to shoot threes. The only thing I'll say for Yudoka is his, uh, I know Bill Self has been very happy with his ball screen defense, which is something he'll have to have at the next level, but I guess I'll open up to you. What, what do you think about Doke's pro future? Yeah, his ability to guard out on the floor is is something that probably limits him a little bit at the NBA level. And like, if this were the mid '90s, then yeah, he's probably gone, and he's a lot more attractive to NBA teams than he he would be now. I I, w- I will say he is outperforming expectations and and playing better than than I thought he would this year. I kind of thought it was a never a chance that he leaves. I think he'll at least explore it now. And it'll be interesting to hear what the NBA feedback is. Um, I haven't talked to a lot of scouts about him recently. Um, but, you know, the the thoughts I'm getting or giving right now is kind of like what I've gotten in the past. Like he's just not a modern day NBA guy. I still think there's a, there's a place for him in the league. But if you're not a first round prospect, and I don't know that he is at this point, um, then you you should probably stay in school and, and hope that you know eventually you develop into a first round prospect and if if he if he can eventually become like a high usage guy with the same efficiency numbers that he's putting up now maybe later in his career and you know if he ever gets to a point where he's averaging like 21 22 points per game improves as a rim protector you know gets a little bit better in like his out on the floor defense then you know maybe he's a guy that does work out his way up into the first round, and you know it's almost kind of like similar to Caleb Swanigan, for for instance. I, I know they're a little bit different players, but Caleb Swanigan kind of had some similar limitations, but he was so productive at the college level that he ended up being a first round pick, twenty sixth. Now, if he had gone the year before, he wouldn't have gone in the first round, but he was so productive as a sophomore. You know, a, a team was willing to take a chance on him as a as a first rounder, and I think Udoka could maybe get to that point down the road. But right now, you know, I I I think he'll definitely. De- I think he should, you know, he should explore, he should declare, and and see what the feedback is. But if if the feedback, hey, you know, you're not you're not a first rounder at this point. I'll, I'm not even sure if you're draftable or whatever. Then then he's probably you know smart to come back to school. Yep, and this kind of gets us to the next question, which is from Kelly J, possibly Kelly, which is a kind of a similar discussion. Just for fun, what would this team be like if Diedrich was available? Any thoughts on that, CJ? Well, you know, I'm uh, I'm president and CEO of the Diedrich fan club. How many fan clubs <laughs> do you have, by the way? I mean, we got the Sveezes, we got the you, well, I, I'm, in the, I'm in the, uh, I, I think he'll be kind of a junior year Marcus Morris type, so you're I, definitely in the Marcus Morris fan club, along with yeah, Nick Collison. Definitely, and, definitely in that one. Well, Collison, that's 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 the top one. That that's the one they're like I'm fanboy of. The the rest <laughs> of them, I'm just basketball observer. Okay. Type. So, um, yeah, with with uh, with Diedrich, as you know, where, where would he play? Obviously, he'd play the four. He's probably taking some minutes from Legerel Vic, who's honestly struggling right now. I think if if Diedrich Lawson's on this team, Kansas is first, second, or third ranked in the country, and and you know really really good because Diedrich, I mean he's close to an All American caliber player, and and you put that with what this team already has. 
Uh, and and he gives you some of the perimeter stuff that you get from going small. Like he's he's really skilled. Not as good a shooter. That might come. You know, hopefully, um, for Kansas' sake, like he's really working on his perimeter shot this year. That's probably the the one thing that could take his game to the to another level. But he he has the ball skills and stuff that you get from playing small. But he can also play in the post and and do things down there. So yeah, I think if he's on this team. They obviously are, are better because he's really good. And he can rebound. Uh, and he can rebound. There you go. That So it helps him defensively, obviously. Yeah, I mean, it's probably, if if he was available, he's probably giving Kansas what fans thought they would get from Billy Preston. You know what I'm saying? Like, Oh, but he, even more. Uh-huh. Like, way, way more. Like, better all around. But yeah, like, Pre- Preston would, would have been a, a poor, poor man's Dietrich Lawson. There you go. That you are you are fully in on the uh, Diedrich Lawson. I mean, the kid game. put up what did he do last year? It, was it like nineteen and nine in Memphis? 19, yeah, or something like that. So, I mean, he's a really really good college player. I mean, I'm not if if Billy Preston would have been eligible from day one, I don't think he averages double figures this year. So you 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 go from a guy who's probably not going to average double figures as a freshman to a junior who is. Um, already in his college career, averaged nearly a double-double and almost 20 points per game. So, yeah, it's, it's it's a big difference. I like this one from Jeffrey at JBE741. Let's say Bill Self invites C.J. Moore Hoops and Jesse Newell to substitute coach for a day, unlike the guy who just showed up uninvited to McCarthy Hall. <laughs> who do each of you work with and on what skills? C.J., any thoughts on this one? You're the guest coach for a day. Who are you working with and what are you developing? Well, Jesse's the guest coach for a day. I'm praying for the for the team. <laughs> <laughs> well, I might be too, you know. I mean, you know, I I am my my flying squirrels in the fifth grade GABL league. They are three and zero right now. So you know, my coaching resume is looking stronger these days. That's why I deferred <laughs> to you first on this question. <laughs> uh, uh, let's see. I would probably, you know, not to say we could do anything better than any of the current coaches. <laughs> But that, that's not what the question was, and there was yeah, no implication that I, that's the case. I would, you know, I, I this is better suited probably for an offseason because I don't think you try to mess with guys too much in season. But I would get with Marcus Garrett and, and work on his jump shot. The mechanics of a jump shot release is too low. There's, there's some, it's workable, but you know, he needs a lot of help with his jump shot. And I think he's probably the guy that would be. Um, has has like a skill that can improve and would make him a much more useful player if he was just able to shoot. So I'd be be working on that jump shot. Okay, well, and again, I have no coaching skills. I have no playing skills, uh, as you often tell me, CJ. So I'm very limited in how I can help the team here. Uh, <laughs> but uh, having said that, there is one thing I think that could help Kansas offense quite a bit, even though the Kansas offense has been pretty good. You know, the emergence of Malik Newman lately has been really good, and he has taken a step forward both offensively and defensively. But through eight games, CJ, I want you to take a guess. How many assists do you think Malik Newman has? Oh, jeez. He's a finisher, man. It's not his role. Uh, eight games in the Big 12. Yes. I'm going to say he's got five assists. Yeah, well, you're really close. Six assists for him um, in Big 12 play. And so, you know, there's been a lot in Avante Graham. We've talked about him playing so many minutes and uh, kind of doing so much for the team. 
by the way, if you you know you want to compare kind of numbers with that and guys who aren't natural passers, let me count up for Seema Kailuk assists. Let's see. 2, 4, See, a really good pass. 11, 13, 18, 22, 26. So Seema Kailuk has 26 assists in Big 12 play. Malik Newman has 6 assists in Big 12 play. And, again, I don't think this is a selfish thing. I don't think it's a thing he, that he can't do. It's just maybe not natural to him. But, gosh, you know, if Devontae Graham could get a couple more open threes a game with someone else creating for him instead of him dribbling into a shot or trying to, you know, force it up over a defender. Uh, that could be a big benefit for KU's offense. And not only that, I mean, as well as Suna Kailuk has shot it. If if he's a guy that could get open a couple of times more. And I'm talking about this whilst fully knowing late in the game. So, you know, they pass to Manic, Trey Young passes to Manic, he makes the three, Oklahoma goes up two. That next possession, Malik Newman drives, gets to the lane, kicks out to Suna Kailuk for corner three, wide open, misses the three-pointer. But, I mean, that's the kind of shot I'm talking about. If Malik Newman can do that, you know, he's been one of KU's best guards at driving here lately. If he can kind of create some defenders, create some, you know, um, attention in the lane and able to kick out to either Sima Kailuk or Devontae Graham for spot-up three-point attempts, uh, man, this KU offense could even be better than than what it's been here in, in recent games. And so I don't really know how I would work on that with Malik. Maybe it's just a chat, you know, a mindset chat. But uh, if his assist number could go from 6 to, you know, 20 by season's end, you know, instead of kind of lo- staying in that less than one per game realm, I could see KU's, uh, KU being a better team for it. And obviously, um, you know, I'm, I'm working on Yudoka with his free throw. I mean, come on. <laughs> That's <laughs> We're we're obviously we're we're gonna address that, but but probably you know left better to address it off season. Although that be something maybe I would even tinker with now. Yeah, because it's, it's 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 a mess. <laughs> I was watching some of those um, the gifs and the videos online, replaying them, and man, like you can get some of those close up shots of what he's doing. You know, he's kind of got like the Lonzo Ball hand on the side, uh, not really looking at the rim when he's shooting it, like his. He uses his like offhand to create spin kind of. Yeah, like thing. he's almost You're shooting like, it left-handed, almost. Yeah, he he does stuff that like my fifth graders, you know, some of them do that. I'm just like, ah, I want to pull my hair out, but you know, some of them they do it because they don't have enough strength. <laughs> you know, he, he's he's doing. I don't know. It's 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 bad, but it's it's really really hard to to fix something like that, and it takes a lot of time. So well, and, and it's not something is- you can necessarily fix in like a day and it can look ugly and still go in you know what i'm saying so it, a lot of this is about comfort level for yudoka too i mean you don't want to completely change him to something even if it looks prettier if it's super uncomfortable for him and he's not gonna feel good about it he's probably not gonna make it anyway so yeah this is a tough spot for ku to be in at this point to try to fix something on the fly when there's only a few weeks left in the season so we'll see kind of where he goes moving forward let's get to a couple more here uh before we go we can go a little bit quicker on these uh, this one from Ted Adams at the Taterman on there. He says, what's it going to take for for our senior guards to understand they can get a three-point shot anytime they want? Run the offense every time down the floor and you get better shots because our weapons are that good. Dribble down and shoot or one pass and shoot is a poor offensive plan. Um, I, I disagree with this. And I was going to say, I, I, I kind of fall my on the other end of this. But yeah, go ahead, CJ. Um, yeah, I, I disagree with this. A lot of time, the, the, the best shot you are going to get is in transition. I mean, you look at some of the best offenses in college basketball. Like, have, would would you criticize North Carolina, like Roy Williams, in the past for his teams playing too fast? Or, you know, I just wrote a story about Creighton. They're they're one of the fastest tempos in college basketball, and 
Greg McDermott's offenses are always really, really good. Um, KU's offense is is 12th in adjusted efficiency right now. You know, they're shooting over 40% from three. If they can get a good look from three early in a possession, I, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I mean, you it's a lot easier to score against a defense before they get set than it is to score against a set defense. So um, when you can get transition looks, I, I don't think that's a bad thing. You know, are, are there times where a guy takes a rush shot to – you know, takes it too early. Yeah, there probably are. But for the most part, I think Bill self teams have always had really, really, really good shot discipline and, and taken pretty good shots. And it's why his teams are always up there and not, not just because they run good stuff, but that's, that's another reason they're always up there in effective field goal percentage. So yeah, I'm, 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 I'm not seeing this one. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. And the other thing that you kind of, if you pay close attention to what Kay's doing on certain plays, Bill Self is playing to the three-point shot. Like, there's one play they ran against Oklahoma time and time again. It was similar to the play that Oklahoma had for that three-pointer that Manic had, where Svee comes and he fakes the, he fakes a ball mm-hmm. screen and slips it, and you kind of usually sometimes get a double team, and that's an easy pass for Devontae Graham to make over to Sue Luke, and the play call is basically to throw it to Svee and get an open three off of one pass. And, I mean, yeah. the math there makes sense. If if you get a Svee Mikhailuk open three-point attempt on any half-court offensive possession, that's a good possession. I mean, I'm sorry, that that is. So uh, I understand kind of where he's coming from. Like, this is not the Bill Self teams of the past where swing it side to side, this is what good offense is, yada, yada, yada. This is more modern offense. This is more like what you see in the NBA. If you get your best players... The, the open shots in the in the locations that you want them to be shooting from, it doesn't matter when it is in the shot clock. It doesn't doesn't matter how many passes it took to get there. You're going to have efficient offense most of the time. I think that's what you've seen from KU uh, a majority of the uh, a majority of the possessions that they've been out there. All right, a couple more. Let's see from okay from Marshall Miller. Should Bill consider pulling a Popovich and rest Devonte in a throwaway game like A and M? Are there some players who that would hurt more than help because they would lose their rhythm? Thoughts, CJ? Um, I don't know that it's a throwaway game. Like, it's still every game at this point in the year and against a major conference team. I mean, you're 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 playing for NCAA tournament seeding. You know, you you I understand the premise, and I just don't know that like he, if if you rest Devonte in this game, is he that much better in March and more wet rested? I probably not. Like, um, you know, I think the fact that they're resting him in practice is is probably smart and a, a good thing. But re- remember, like these are forty minute games. Practice is probably more taxing sometimes on their bodies than than the games are. So, um, you know, I, I understand the premise. I probably wouldn't do it but um we'll see i mean a&m's a&m's good like a&m's like one of the strangest teams in college basketball while their record's not great they're still really really talented and when they are good they can beat you you know they, they beat west virginia they beat usc like they're they have really really good dudes they've got some pros they've got some really good college players they're probably the most disappointing team in college basketball but they're capable of coming into allen Fieldhouse and and winning the game, and I, I still think all these games are are important because you're playing for NCAA tournament seeding. Yeah, and that's what makes it difficult. I think in the NBA, if you look at that research, and again, I wrote about this a little bit a couple of years ago for the Topeka Capital Journal about rest and some of the studies that KU has done on it, but the NBA, I think a lot of the research has done has been the negative effects of back-to-back games. 
And so you look yeah. for Kansas, and I, I wrote about this today with Devontae Graham, how Bill Self said he's getting three days off this week. So he gave him off both Wednesday and Thursday, and then a short going to have a short practice here on Friday. But this is really eliminating that back-to-back sort of thing that you're talking about. So while I understand the premise, and I understand, yes, you probably should look for every opportunity to try to rest these guys to make sure they're fresh, I think the fact that KU is taking these practice days off might be reducing some of the risk that you would be taking otherwise. Now, the point I've always made that I think is kind of silly and foolish is Big 12 tournament, because now you're talking, okay, you play Thursday, and then if you win, you play Friday, and if you win, you play Saturday, and that's before the most important games of the season. That seems like an unnecessary pushing of yourself, which, you know, Bill Self has never really rested guys in that situation, but for right now, you know, you like you said, you play Tuesday, you get two days off, you have a short practice Friday, then you play Saturday. You know, that's probably a good thing that KU is doing to look at that and and have that in place. And that's probably a a good way. It it goes a good way toward getting those guys the rest that they need. Now, again, how does that affect them in March? I don't know. How is it going to affect them in the Big 12 tournament when you play day after day after day? I don't know. But for right now, it seems like KU at least is uh, looking in that situation. And Bill Self is taking it seriously to try to get his guys as much rest as possible. Of course, one minute or two in the first half of each game also could be beneficial for Devonta Graham, who does look like he's worn out down the stretch. See Mikhailuk, too, if you look at recent games. All right, CJ, anything else before we wrap up and get out of here? No, not that uh, not I can think of. Any more questions you want to hit? I, I see somebody asking who uh, recruiting Matt, there will be a player that, that lead, not here next year. Who do you think that will be and why? We can maybe answer that one. Yeah, sure, from John it's, Brown, 1855. It, uh, yeah, I don't, I, you know, thinking about it right now, the way LaGerald Vick's playing, unless he really comes on strong, you don't know that he'll leave. Malik Newman would probably not get drafted if he came out this year. Um, he could still decide to go and go play overseas or something. You know, He, he could have had it in his mind, hey, I'm going to play it one year at Kansas. I'm going to go be a pro, whatever that means, you know, whatever, wherever that pro level is. Um, that, that could be the case. But, um, you know, Udoka, like we talked about earlier, he may be – he should explore it. I think all those guys, you should always explore it with the way the rules are. But there's a chance that like all these underclassmen come back. You know, you're, you're probably going to lose somebody, whether it's to transfer or you know somebody ends up going pro. But um, it's it's kind of hard to to say where we sit right now. Uh, I'll put my money on Malik Newman, and you know, a lot of fans they've reminded him or he's reminded them of Wayne Selden and kind of how he plays. Um, if you look at the way that Wayne Selden's career ended at Kansas, it could kind of be the same sort of thing where, you know, he declares for pros, he's not sure he's going to get drafted. In Wayne's case, he didn't get drafted and then kind of made his way still anyway because with that plan in mind that he was going to go after his junior season. So um, no guarantees there, but I think for sure Malik Newman could be a guy that, that looks at what's coming back next year for looks what's coming next year for KU in recruiting and then kind of just sees his overall vision and plan getting a little bit older in terms of basketball uh, draft ranks and uh, just decides, hey, this is the time for me to go and let's see where the future takes me. So if you're going to have me put my chips on one person, that's the person I'm putting probably, on. That's probably smart. Yep. All right, CJ. Well, big week for Kansas. Uh, Texas A&M at home on Saturday at K-State on Monday in a game. That game's huge. That's a huge game. And, yeah. man, just think about Bruce Weber. If he could have called just a little bit better play at the end of this game at Allen Fieldhouse, <laughs> K-State could have a one-game lead over Kansas with the chance to have a two-game lead and sweep Kansas in the Sweet Season how, Series. How are you going to throw your boy Bruce under the bus like that? I mean, 
listen, I'm not throwing him on the bus, but don't you think that he thinks about that just a little bit? I mean, isn't that- I mean, the play did, did you see the the picture that I put up? Like the play wasn't that terrible. They would have had an open shot for Dean Wade. He just didn't Barry Brown it. didn't throw him the ball. Hero so ball. I don't I don't I don't know that you put that on on on, on Bruce. Although Bruce probably shouldn't throw his players on the bus like after the game, but you know, <laughs> who knows? Okay. Well, KU still kind of knew that play call was coming, whatever the case may be. But let's forget the play call then. Bruce is still, his head is hitting the pillow at night thinking, wow, with just one roll of the ball different or something that changes in that game, he could have a one-game lead over KU going for a two-game lead over KU in what would have been a huge game at Big Monday. As it stands, still a huge game, and he has a chance to tie KU. But, uh, yeah, a big week ahead for the Jayhawks. Uh, A&M seems kind of like not important, but like you said, every win is important for the resume in the NCAA tournament. So we'll see how the Jayhawks fare here over the next week. For CJ, this is Jesse. We're going to wrap up for the Sports Beat KC podcast. Be sure to tune in for another episode next week. way to find the best deals on tickets to pretty much any live event. Concerts, sports, theater, comedy, whatever you want. Download the SeatGeek app today and enter promo code SEATS to save $20 on your first purchase.